We're not gonna take it. No, we're no, gonna we take ain't gonna it. take it. We're not gonna we're take it. We're not gonna take it anymore. Anymore. Fuck you, Nolan Sorrento. You're a big fucking asshole. Fuck you, iOS, in your butthole. Hey, everybody. Hey, guys. How are you? Welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. I am the badass bitch who can figure out a clue. Don't worry about my birthmark. Because you're going to come get some from this bitch, Zenobia. <laughs> and uh, I'm your virtual reality bodacious babe. Never know where I'm coming from. Toting some like laser guns. Flying with my spaceships. Rolling with my high five homies, Lenny. H. <laughs> and here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails. We pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies. And tonight is no different, girl. This movie is amazing. <laughs> so it is our um, crush month. And last week we did My Crush, Will Smith, with the Bad Boys. And so tonight we're doing Lenny's Crush. Yeah, we're diving in really deep for my, my big crush. You want to tell everybody what movie we're doing? We're doing Ready Player One. Ready Player One. And my movie crush is Lena Waithe. I think we've already talked about this on the show for sure because we've talked about her before. She doesn't have a really big role in this film, but she is a part of the high five, which is like really important. That's the best characters of the film. Yeah, and this movie is amazing. This is the best. I'm saying this is the best film, fanatic film ever. So many references, so many things to catch. It's just such a candy store. I, I love grabbing and picking it. And even sometimes when I'm watching it over, because I've seen it so many times, I'll catch different references and I'm like, oh, oh, yes. Oh my God, they just said that. Oh my God, did you hear that? I get so excited. I do feel like the older people get especially you know younger people Mm -hmm. they're gonna go back and end up watching this and be like oh my god so that's what that is Mm -hmm. oh my god so that's what that is and it's it's gonna be a a movie that's just gonna stand the test of time because like you you said it just has reference on reference on reference your favorite movie is most likely reference absolutely (laughs) like no joke like you will recognize a movie regardless if you're into 90s if you're into 80s film culture pop culture music culture everyone gets a little taste and a little touch of a childhood memory or like something that they can really associate their love of film with which is awesome so to go with our (laughs) ready player one film we are drinking tonight the oasis the oasis the oasis i like it our beautiful concoction ingredients are two ounces of vodka two ounces of grapefruit juice two ounces of mango juice 0.5 ounces of lime juice that was a zenobia add-on and it was perfect and then you're going to um, have a garnish of a lime wheel and a cherry Mm -hmm. So what you're going to do is you're going to put all of your um, 
lovely ingredients into a shaker with ice. Go ahead and pour it all in, shake, 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 and then uh, strain over fresh ice in a nice tall, a high baller, some people call it Tom Collins glass, and then top it off with just a splash of club soda or sparkling water or whatever you prefer. Just add a little extra bubble, a little extra fun. And then go ahead and garnish with your lime wheel and your cherry and then enjoy. All right, the oasis. Welcome to the oasis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's right. go, girl. Cheers. Cheers. I like it. It's good. I love mango. Um, Always my favorite. I I did add the lime because mango and lime go so good together. They do. They absolutely do. So are you ready for a little bit of herstory? Give me some of that herstory. Ow, girl. Okay. So I, when we were talking about it, I really wanted to discuss the difference between shaken and stir. We haven't really discussed that yet. And we talk about, you know, when we shake uh, drinks and when we stir drinks. So let's just break that down. Let us go into why you shake certain liquors and why you stir certain liquors. I'm down. This sounds great. Yeah, girl. Let's do it. The main reason why when you're blending all of these ingredients together, you're creating kind of like a mouthfeel texture of the drink. That's what you're doing. You're changing the texture of the drink. You're combining certain ingredients. And when you're combining like this, that's mainly a shaken drink. So when you shake drinks, usually that's with citrus, other juices. When you're concocting a big beverage, you're going to put it all in your shaker. It gives that effect of uh, when you shake it all up and you get it really, really shaken, it gives like a nice frothy edge most of the time. People do that a lot with, I mean, mm-hmm. you can basically say with a lot of juices, but it gets really big when you do egg whites, like a whiskey sour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or egg creams of some kind. Like it, those are going to be big, but you even get frothiness when you're doing just straight juices. What's beautiful is that you either get the frothiness of it or when you're like straining it out into a, a just a plain cocktail glass, you'll even get mm-hmm. thin icy shards floating on top of your drink. That's the effect it gives and it's because it's so I cold. Yeah, me too. I, I really love it. Harry Craddock, he's an old 1930s bartender. He wrote like the bartending book. He always has a really good phrase for it. Like, you got to shake it really hard. Shake it like you're trying to wake it up, not rock it and send it to sleep. Shake it, shake it. Like, you are shaking a drink. Okay. I like that. And then, like I said, you either strain it over fresh ice because you don't want to add the ice that's in the shaker because it's pretty much diluted ice at that point. You don't want it to water down your drink. Or um, you just pour it into a cocktail glass and then you get that really cool sharded ice effect. Now, the other option is to stir your drink, which most of the time when you're doing that, it's with cocktails that are entirely made of spirits. Also, you add bitters to it. We're talking like Negronis, Old Fashions. Those are the style of drinks. Even like gin martinis and vodka martinis. Most of the time, those should be a stirred drink. Wait. So you're telling me that they should not be shaken there's always exceptions there's always exceptions of course like if you add extra olive juice like to a dirty martini Mm -hmm. yes then you can shake that drink you're adding juices you're trying to get that complexity of all of those different ingredients together but if you're doing a very simple dry gin martini no don't you do not need to shake it it's not necessary whatsoever okay i'm not a martini dry martini i'm like a Cosmo martini. Cosmo. Like and a, co- a lemon mm-hmm. drop. 
Like, that's my shit. Exactly. And that would be the exception because, of course, there's always exceptions. And, again, you can choose how you want your drink whenever. It's just, this is just proper etiquette, <laughs> kind of, to it. All right. Teach me the right way, yes. Yes. So, but the, like a Cosmo, though, and a lemon drop, those also have citrus, which is mm-hmm. how I previously stated. Those are things that you definitely should, should shake because you're trying to combine all of that mixture together. But when you stir it, it's a definitely a more gentle process on the liqueur. You're not trying to beat the crap out of it <laughs> like you do in the shaker. It's a nice, smooth, clockwise stir within the shaker or within the glass. Some people do it. One single cubed ice. Or if you're in the shaker, you can do it in a bunch of ice. But then you strain it over just a single cube usually. So that way the uh, straight spirit doesn't get watered down as easily. Because it's also a different process. Like shaking it, you're going to do like about six really hard shakes, right? Six or seven Mm -hmm. hard shakes and you're done with your drink. When you're stirring it, you have to do it for like 30 seconds because you're really trying to get that cold. And it's a lot of a a different process. So that's where the difference is going to lie. Now, what's crazy is that sometimes you'll add like a... People will do a whiskey on the rocks, but then add like a splash of seltzer to it. Or any of those things. When you do that, you should definitely never shake it. Because if you shake that, the carbonation, one, you're going to have it squirt back at you when you take off the Mm -hmm. shaker top. But then two, you're also pushing those bubbles out. So you're going to lose all that carbonation. Flat, yeah. Yeah, so it'll become flat. So that's why... Again, in this one, we topped it off with the sparkling, and then you can use your straw to stir it. Or it's kind of nice that it floats on top because then all the ingredients just come right through it. Okay, you guys, don't feel bad if you make a cocktail and you put, like, club soda or sparkling Hmm. water or something, soda, and you shake it and it explodes. Because when this here show started, (laughs) I myself, the grand home bartender, didn't know shit and would shake it, and it was in my face. Like it took me like a couple drinks to be like, "What the fuck? I'm such an idiot. What am I doing?" So, don't feel bad if you're at that level don't. where you don't know this stuff yet. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, and that's why we're talking about it. And that's pretty much the difference between shaken and stirred, baby. Shaken, not stirred. Well, I like that. I am always partial to a shake. Mm-hmm. I like to shake. I like that, you know, the coldness and the vigor of it and just pouring it. It's all knowing Mm -hmm. that it's all mixed. That's my thing. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to stirring, I do do it if the recipe calls for it or if I'm extremely, extremely lazy. Yeah. And you don't want to. And I don't want to make dishes. I'll stir a fucking mojito and fucking get that shit together. Honestly. Same, girl. So that's your history this evening, baby. Yes, queen. I love it. So are you ready, though, for the motherfucking drinking game? Yes. I'm so ready. Let's get drunk. Well, not too drunk. Let's be responsible. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Let's get drunk. I'm home. This is my birthday week. I am not trying to be any kind of responsible. Happy birthday week. I know your girl looks relaxed right now, massaged up, beautiful hair. Yes, I'm all massaged up and I dyed my hair pink. Mm-hmm. I'm on that pink tip today. But uh, yeah, let's get ready for the motherfucking drink game. So you're going to take a sample. 
when someone says holiday or oasis? The oasis. Oh my God. <laughs> Does it have to be his whole name, James Holiday, or just holiday? <laughs> just holiday. Oh shit. <laughs> they said a lot. They always be like, you know, holiday said that mm-hmm. it was the leap. So holiday built it for him. But they never made it past the first date. So holiday's the creator. Who hates his own creation. And the- they say that shit all movie. His name is dropped. Because Halliday hated making rules. But any of those, you gonna take a simp. You're gonna take a simp when the high five is said or all of the five are together. I love it. Wait, can you also add in when Percival tries to get people to give him a high five and they're like, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Anytime somebody tries to do the high five, uh, I think a show does it too, and, and someone leaves them hanging. <laughs> it's just like, so sad. Like, so, so any of those. Okay. Yeah, even if someone is, is asking for a high five, go ahead and take a sip on that, because it's a couple times. You're going to take a sip when someone says, first to the key. First to the egg. First to the key. <laughs> So anytime that is said, ah! you're going to take a simp. You're going to take a simp when you see the key. Someone gets a key or they show all three of the key just floating like, hey, bitches, you got to find these. You're going to take a simp. I, I like love hate the moment at the very end. Remember when he's trying to get the crystal key in and he can't? And the girl's just like, it- how hard can it be? You're like, shut up, bitch. You're not there. <laughs> You don't know that in real life he's in a fucking van racing down this goddamn street. So funny. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, so good. But yeah, so any of those, or he's like, oh. Well, 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 so you found my jade key. The jade key. The jade key, gotcha, bitch. So any of the keys seen, you're going to take a seat. Take a seat. You're going to take a simp when someone gains or loses coins. <gasps> that busts a lot on Planet Doom. Oh, my God. Planet Doom, God. everybody just turns Making it rain. <laughs> I would just sit there to watch it get rained on me. I'd be like, <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, uh, what's, like, what's the name of the dude? Iraq? Iraq, yeah. Like Iraq, where he's like, no, I have like 10 years of shit in here. But you were bluffing. You know, that kills all of us, right? I've got 10 years worth of shit inside of me. Last chance, dude. I'm not going out like that. Or like that's a camper move. You don't even know how to activate an orb. <laughs> he's like trying to hold it in. I know. He's losing all his it's, and then he shoves in a yeah. tentacle to stop it from happening. Like that's his. <laughs> yeah. To, not hemorrhage. That's so good. <laughs> he had so much shit. That he couldn't just bust into coins. He had to, like, leak <laughs> coins. Which I mad respect that you couldn't, like, back up your coinage, like, your treasures and stuff. Like, that's on you at all times. I really respect that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I am not a gamer like you are. Yeah, where's that bag of holding? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're like, you're like, shut up, nerd. <laughs> I, I knew when you picked this movie that you were going to geek out, and I just accepted it. I know, thank you. Really <laughs> You're lucky I love this movie. So. I know, me too. 
So even when uh, Z has to like get in the back of the race to pick up people's coins, you gonna take some Sam? I gotta go to the back. Yeah, so you can skim coins from crashed cars? That's just sad, man. Fuel's low. Oh, but you still have to pay for that something about Mary here, dude. Which is yeah. pretty smart. I mean, that's not like bottom feeder. He wasn't. He knew he wasn't gonna make it through anyway. Exactly. <laughs> He always partially knew it wasn't going to actually, he wasn't, unless he could get in front of King Kong, he was never going to beat King Kong. Yeah. So might as well just hang out in the back, pick up some extra coinage, go crazy. Yep. So you going to take a simp when someone goes into the oasis. So anytime somebody is putting <sighs> on their glasses to go into the this awesome world called the oasis, you going to take a simp. I love that one. Yeah, I oh, love it. Oh my god! Yeah, you even get to see the entire high five at one point in the truck. Well, no, uh, Artemis doesn't ever put it on in the truck. But but Artemis, she gets to put it on when she's in her little pod in the war room. Yeah, when she's in the war room when she, they lock her up in her little pod, all that shit. She, they all have to put them on to go into to the oasis. So when they do that, get ready. For yo samp. Shit, I'm gonna have to drink that because that loyalty center is real. That loyalty center is real. So every time you see them changing out them and new ones are coming in, you take a sip because they about to go in. All that <laughs> yep. counts. And it's bad. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting oh you fucked God. up on this. Get ready. And this is a good drink to get fucked up on because I don't think we could ever... I can get sick of this drink. I can't. Um, I can't taste the alcohol, which is the best. It just tastes very tropical fruity. So knocking back this shit is going to be very easy. And we're going to be very drunk at the end of this movie. So, Yeah. At the end of this podcast, too. <laughs> <this> podcast. <laughs> you going to take a simp. Now, this one, this one all depends on you. Okay. You okay. going to take a simp every 80s song you personally know. So if you're big time into eighties and they play, you know, Good we're not gonna take it. Or um You making my dreams come true. But it's only eighties songs, so if it's like, you know, Saturday Night Fever, that's a seventies song. That's a seventies song. Just my imagination, that's a sixties song. So those ones yeah. don't count, just eighties songs. Okay, I like that. I like that. Because people born in the 80s are the best. It's true. You're going to take a simp when you see the IOI. So when you see <sighs> them in the in the Oasis with their helmets, every time you see the one. The Sixers. The Sixers, you're going to take a simp. Fuckers. Okay. 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 So every time IOI is said... You gonna take a simp. So when nice. they're talking about, you know, like when IOI uh, asks for the keys to the kingdom. What happens when IOI offers you guaranteed coin for the keys to the kingdom? Nolan Sorrento takes over the world. Yep. Oh, oh, where he's like, it's the big bomb, and he's like, who would buy this? Who wants that? IOI. They buy everything. Everything. <laughs> They'll buy anything. You know, they don't give a shit. They got that much money that they could just have people just die, and it doesn't even fucking matter. So yeah, anytime you see hear them say it, you're gonna take a simp. You're gonna take a simp. This one is also a personal one. You're gonna yeah. take a simp every time you see an Easter egg you know. So when you see Chucky 
you're going to take a sip. Okay. Now, if you're really huge into, like, video games, your ass is going to be passed out because there's, like, <gasps> Mortal Kombat and Halo mm-hmm. and fucking everything is all up in this. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. yep. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. But like we said, there's a lot of movie um, references. So if you know, oh, yeah, bitch, that's a DeLorean from Back to the Future. Like, all of us should, if you listen to this show, then... Yeah. um. You gonna take a sip? You're like, oh my god, oh my god, is that King Kong, bitch? Ugh, I gotta take a sip. <laughs> oh my god, is that the Batmobile, bitch? The, the take a sip. <laughs> take a sip. The 1960s Batmobile, bitch. Okay, done. Oh my god, is that the truck from Big Trouble, Little China? Oh shit, bitch, I need a sip. So all these depend on you, and not necessarily everybody else. If you recognize if it. If you recognize okay. it. So the bigger fan you are of this pop culture, the drunker you're gonna be. And I'm not I'm even hammered a big... by the first race. That's yes. I'm done. I'm just done. But pretty much everything <laughs> I named was like from the first like twenty yeah. minutes of the movie. <laughs> and there's tons more. There's over three hundred Easter eggs in this movie, so have fun with that. So mm-hmm. you're gonna finish your drink when the curator curator gives the is 25 cents. Oh, well, a quarter. You can keep it. No, you can keep it. Keep that, Chabbage. It may save your life. (laughs) (laughs) It totally did. Extra life. Yeah, so finish your drink when I guess it's lucky quarter. You're going to finish your drink when H meets the naked lady in room 237. (laughs) Oh, my God. God, the best, the best is how respectful <laughs> H is at first. Oh, uh, hi, naked lady. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your, uh, your bath time. Uh, I know self-care can be important. Uh, but can you do me a favor and tell me where are all the exits? Huh. Oh, okay. All right. Am I being punked? Because you're liking me a little way too much. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with it. H is like, I'm going to go, go with it. it. <laughs> It's like a moment of hilarity by Lena Waithe, which is amazing, during this really scary <laughs> sequence of this film. And it's just so perfect because movie movie lovers know that, exactly that what's about to happen. One. Like as soon as H walks in there, you're like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> get out of there. Oh, bitch, get out the of there. People that don't know The Shining would be like, huh, that's weird. There's just a naked lady now? Naked lady? Yeah, bitch. She's going to decompose in your hand. <laughs> I just, the line of her just saying, <laughs> self-care is important. important. Uh, I know self-care can be important. Gets me every time. I don't know why. That's not even it funny. Is. Self-care is important. It's just such a random thing to think about. Write that in there. She just is- he interrupt. She interrupted the bath. Oh, I get so it. Good. I get it. But th- that line gets me every time. Or where they're like, "Come on, I got the key. Let's go to two three seven. You're just like, "We ain't got no business going to room two three seven. We should stay out. We do not oh, need to go to two three seven. Uh uh-uh, uh. There's zombies. There's in no there. zombies in The Shining. There are no zombies in The Shining. Well, maybe it's not supposed to be like the movie. Here is the key. You're- and then Artemis, of course, like goes deep into it. You're like, Artemis, we don't have time for this. That's, what, that's know, one so of my good. favorite scenes in this entire movie, if not my favorite oh, scene. Yeah. So definitely had to put that one in here. You're going to finish your drink when Z gets the egg. So 
cold and like, oh, just sit his hands. You gonna finish your drink. I got a theory. Stick with me here. Mm-hmm. That the egg is what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> That's what's glowing, bitch, is the egg. That's- <laughs> they found holidays easter egg <laughs> they found it back in like you know 96 or whatever and you know it's, in, it's been in the suitcase running around with jewels i love it i love it <laughs> stick that's with good. me i think that's a good idea i think it's a good idea I'm just gonna perfect say, pul- it's a beautiful pul- culture added i love that i mean it's Very the meta. 90s how yeah. come the you know uh, Jules' car wasn't in the race. I know that would have been cool. Or Zed's race? bike. Or Zed's bike. Zed's That's what I'm saying. I think I think this is a great. I I wish that that was. I'm just gonna say that that is the Pulp Fiction Easter egg. Is there you go. the Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> I, there you go. I like it. Okay. So, do you have anything else you would like to add to the drinking game? Um. No. Oh, the only thing I was going to say is uh, in the first one, you said whenever they say holiday. Uh, is it also his avatar Anorak as well? Like, would he be considered like the same or no? Is it just strictly holiday? Just strictly holiday because okay. the avatar is he's on autopilot. I don't know who controlling his ass. <laughs> I mean, he can. That's read like the ultimate what's going on. That's like the best ultimate question at the end. He's just like, are you really dead? And he's like, then what are you? And he doesn't answer. Yeah. Because he, he was he able to. way more. Well, I can't. Well, we can talk about that in a little bit. We'll have a theories court, corner. Yeah. Well, we should. Yeah. We're definitely going to have a thing. But you don't have anything else you want to add? No, it's perfect. I mean, people are going to get hammered. So <laughs> I'm already expecting myself to be completely floored because I plan on playing this game after we're done again. Oh, girl. I'm going to watch this movie again. I can't. I can't. Stop watching this movie. I can't watch. Yeah, I will never stop watching this movie. I own this movie. Like, I, I, there's just, it's not, I I love this movie. Well, it's on HBO right now, people. Yep, if you don't know this movie, it is on HBO Max. And, uh, even prior to us doing this show, I kept watching it before we decided to do this one. Yeah, it's just so that good. When she that said good. it, I was like, I just watched it last week. All right, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. Um, so are you ready? <gasps> For the stats. Stats, stats, stats. Give me those stats, stats, stats. Stat me up with those stats, stats, stats. I can feel those stats, stats, stats. All right, stats. This movie dropped... March 29th, 2018, baby. So not too long ago. Three years, not even. Not even. So <laughs> the budget for this movie was $175 million. That's yeah. a big budget. Big. And translate that into 2021 money, that would be more like $183 million Damn. to make this movie. And after making this movie worldwide, this movie made over $582 million. Damn. So that money translated into 2021 money would be $609 million. Oh my God. It made 
Buku Bucks. It did take them about three years to get this shit all together. So they deserve that money. <laughs> I definitely saw it in theaters. Um, I remember seeing the trailer when I was in the movie theater and was like, oh, I'm going to see that. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to see that. And when it did come out, I was there and was not disappointed. So, But Rotten Tomatoes. Let's talk about these bitches. Critics. Oh, here we go. Here we go. 72%. What? What? How can you do this? To to Sir no, Steven uh, Spielberg. No. These critics are, critics are idiots. This is why we put Rotten Tomatoes on here so we could just say no. No. <laughs> well, give me give me what the give me the fans what they say. So audience, they said 77%. Ooh, so those fuckers. Very I feel little more I feel betrayed. <laughs> oh I know that you want it more. I feel but, like someone uh, just put a scalibur in my heart uh, like all right, my my people, you need to flood Rotten Tomatoes right now. Right now. That's ridiculous. Yep. I want to hear what Z's is then. What is what is your personal oh, ZZ Fresh? Well, the ZZ Fresh is 100%. I fucking love it. I think the technology is amazing. The things that they did is amazing. I think that we'll be looking at the CGI for years to come and be like, this still holds up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love the casting. I love that they pulled all the stops and got everybody that they possibly could to be part of this movie. You know, and like I said, I think this opens up the movie a world for people who aren't as huge fans of this shit mm-hmm. like we are to be able to be interested into knowing what the fuck some of these people were talking about, you know? Yeah. So I love it. I think it's a hundred Steven Spielberg. You don't do too many bad shit that I don't like. So thank you. Thank y'all. Okay. I don't want you to freak out, but the Lenny zest is 99.8. and why because i completely agree with you casting is perfect story transfer over from book to screenplay loved it i had no complaints like i actually might say i love the movie more than the book which is not when we'll talk about that in lenny's literary library in a minute the reason why i just scotch because and this is probably really stupid of me but the end scene when they're talking about you know the plans that the high five did for the Oasis, you know, instead of it just being Z and Artemis at the end in that chair kissing, I really wish that they would have had like them like kissing on the couch, maybe like cuddling. But then like the entire high five just like jumps on each other and like someone brings popcorn and so like it just became like it's a friends thing. I just I really wanted to see the entire high five together at the end there. Like I just they were a team like the team should be there. It shouldn't just be the lovebirds. I feel like it should have been all of them. You know what? So that's the only thing that I would say that I was like, come on, guys. Maybe I should change my score to 99.8%. Just 99.8. I mean, it is close to 100 for me. Like, I love everything about this movie. They just just wanted to have, like, some teens thinking about having sex instead of being in the Oasis. I know. When they could have had the three of them in the back playing foosball and yelling at each other or something. Like, I totally understand. 
Right? Especially when Ogden Morrow at the end says, like, it was never supposed to be a one-player game. Like, they should all have been there together. He couldn't have done it without his team. Like, everyone played such an important role. It should have just not been, I don't know. I, I, just a personal, it's just like a personal thing that I'm like, Steven Spielberg, why didn't you call me? And I could have just consulted on that one little thing. Like, hey. Yeah, Steven, you hear that, Mr. Spielberg? (laughs) Why didn't you call us? Why didn't you call and consult? Like, I don't understand why. Okay, well. That's the stats. That's the stats, baby. Stats, stats, stats. Give me those stats, stats, stats. She's got those stats, stats, stats. Stat it up, baby. Okay. I got a fun fact. <gasps> yes, fun facts. Let's do it. This movie was originally supposed to be released on December 15th, 2017. But it was pushed back because of Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And they were like, uh-uh, girl, we ain't, gonna, we ain't about to compete with you. Yeah. Smart moves. Smart, Smart moves. Mm-hmm. You always think of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg like they're just brothers in arms. So to but, have them put out competing films against each other, I mean, I'm sure they've done it in the past. But not when it's a budget this big. You want to see something fully highly successful to come out of it. I see that. True. That's smart. True. Smart moves. So, smart moves, smart Mr. Moves. Mr. Spielberg. Are you uh, ready with your member's library card? Are you ready to check your oh. books out? Shit. <gasps> I got to find my card. Hold on. Hold on. Girl, I didn't want to say anything, but you got late fees. Like, serious Ooh. late fees. It's, You're a late fee. I am a late fee. I'm I'm, I'm very <laughs> expired. I think I still have some books from uh, Los Angeles bookstore. Actually, full fun fact about myself, I actually have a library card from every single city I've ever lived in. Anyways, welcome to Lenny's Literary Library. The library's open. The library is open. We like to talk about our favorite books turned into movies. And like I already specified, this is one of the very few that I am obsessed with the film more than I'm obsessed with the book. I love the book. Uh, it came out in 2011, August 16th. It was written by Ernest Klein. He also had a big uh, deal to do with the screenplay, which was also written by Zach Penn. This book, when it came out, it was huge. It went on the New York Times bestsellers list. It's a sci-fi novel, dystopia, set in 2045. The same day that it was released, Will Wheaton, who is, I don't know if you nerds know this, it's Wesley from Star Trek The Next Generation. He did the audiobook release, same day, of this book, which he's actually referenced (laughs) in the book as well, so (laughs) a little meta for you. What also is really cool is, uh, most recently, the sequel came out, Ready Player Two in november 24th 2020 so you guys can read the sequel as well we're not going to talk about the sequel like really came out did you read i have not even read it yet okay i know someone didn't buy it for me for christmas i'm not naming names but bitch my mother not you my mother oh i was like bitch i don't even know (laughs) i'm just kidding i can buy my own books Unfortunately, I can't rent it from the library right now because the libraries are closed. Except this library. Ooh, you know it. I'm your favorite sexy librarian. Um, I don't want to give too much away in the book because I always highly suggest that you read it, especially this one because there is a lot of differences, a lot of differences from the book itself to the film. Uh, when Steven Spielberg was trans, when they were talking about transcribing it over, he wanted something a little less dark. He wanted something more focused on the pop culture references that overtake that book as well as making it more adventurous and something that everyone can connect more with. There is a huge, it's dystopia, so it's very dark. A lot of things happen that are different. 
to name a, just a couple of things, the, the first key in the first challenge, it's not even a race. That is something that they added. It was actually a Dungeons and Dragons reference on Planet Ludus, which they do reference Planet Ludus in the film. So how it starts is, is actually Wade is a student on Ludus, which is the school planet in the Oasis. All the kids go to school that way. Everyone goes to school virtually. And that's actually how he knows H. H Ooh. is a student as well. Time out. Time We're out. already starting that right now. All kids are going to school virtually. Yes, we are. <laughs> they all just need to get their VRs on and just like chill in the classroom. <laughs> but that's just like the Dungeons and Dragons theme is definitely in it. The Tomb of Horrors. That's like, and then they do a joust game. That's how you are supposed to get the first key. And it's, you get an idea of H and who H is. H isn't even this really cool uh, kind of like orc-like character that the movie portrays H as. H is actually like a little skinny white boy. <laughs> it's stupid and it actually, it becomes very, it was it was a very huge topic of discussion when the book came out, if that was even appropriate for that to be the character. Wait, time out. Appropriate that his friend be a skinny white dude? Well, so H is still in the book a, a lesbian. She's a, she's a woman, she's a lesbian. But she, her avatar in the Oasis in the book is just a skinny white teenage boy, which a lot of feminists and uh, the queer community were upset about because what is this, a typical stereotype that gay women just want to be a man? And that's why they, I, I feel like personally, they probably morphed the character to become more culturally acceptable that it would be this sci-fi fantasy orc-like character that is very like that's true right i mean because h has an entire doesn't even have an admin <laughs> h is completely made up a machine basically and so it kind of creates the character not so typical and they also got away from the whole teenager in high school kind of crap that they're dealing with all the kids are kind of seem to be like in their early 20s except for of course we know that show is an 11 year old boy yeah but i mean Wade still looks like he's like 17, 18. He still looks like a teenager. You could have told me like, oh, he's a senior in high school. I'd be like, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, you would believe it. I mean, Ty Sheridan does definitely look like a teenage kid. But I think they were trying to keep all the kids in just like an, an early, late, late teens to early 20s kind of feel. So they don't have to worry about them all going to school. Because that that actually is a huge part of the book. In the very beginning of the book, that takes up chapters and chapters. Like how they all meet each other and... And it's just, it's a whole different uh, idea. And then there also is the huge thing, uh, difference with when Artemis and Z actually meet. They don't meet until very later in the book, like super later. When Artemis abandons Z and is like, you don't know me, you don't know my reality, you don't have a reality. She abandons Z. Like Artie just abandons Z and Z goes into this really dark, horrible place into serious isolation and then because of his fame and celebrity in the oasis he starts getting sponsors under this this fake name bryce lynch mm. <laughs> he even gets a job later you find out he's actually the one that goes into the loyalty centers and he's the one that 
has the whole relationship with going in and, and sabotaging Nolan Sorrento in the war room. And that's that all plays out in a very different way. It's it, There's a lot of differences. So I highly suggest reading the book. It's very dark. You get to see a whole different side of... They wanted to make it more fun more modern nerd culture ideas like the shining isn't even mentioned that's not something that's prevalent in the book at all like it's that was a specific steven spielberg which we'll talk about like that whole scene when they're going for the jade key is actually like a reference to blade runner uh and zork like there's no the shining whatsoever um i did read that you're right it was the the movie that they actually go into is war games and you have to like stop well you have to know the entire yeah you have to know the entire war games uh dialogue like you have from word to for word to word like you have to be able to completely reenact and live that that movie yeah now i can see that's a good i think that was a good switch because not that war games is not a really good movie because it is we get like it is smart ferris bueller up in this bitch like (laughs) but it is not as known and pop culture icon as Mm -hmm. the shining um so if i had to go into war games i most likely would not pass but if i had to go into the shining and redo the shining word from word and everything Mm -hmm. i i could definitely do that Oh, yeah. And and we're also talking about because the book is able to give it so many different layers, like they not only have to get the key as a quest, they also have to open up the gateways, the portals to get into it. Like it's multiple things that they have to do. It's not just a very like standard, simple task. Like we just do this. They have to solve so many pop culture puzzles in the book. It takes so long obviously because they have so much more time. There's so much more pages that they can fill with these kinds of quests. Um, but Steven Spielberg, as we know, had a very close relationship with Kubrick. So when it became this whole idea of doing all of these dedicated pop culture references that made this movie, Steven Spielberg, who wanted to take a lot of his own references that were in the book, because he has a lot, there are a lot of Steven Spielberg references in the book. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm the director. We're taking it out. He actually, he only includes Jurassic Park and um, the alien spaceship from War of the Worlds. Those are the only two that he actually adds of his own references. And he but wanted to put Kubrick kinda, in. You can kind of like argue that him pro- movies he produced are in there, like Back to the Future or... Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm talking specifically like his his films. Like, right, right. you know what I mean? I was I was talking about like things he's he's definitely had like huge focus on and his creations basically i mean he's a very involved producer for sure but i like things of his imagination and well you should whatever bitch no i'm just joking yeah i was just saying that like he yeah he did not want his shit in there which i think that i would have added at least i would add a couple because it's it's one thing to be like okay i'm not going to add you know my movies, but your movies are pop culture icons. Like not having something that has to do with Indiana Jones is kind of like that's a that's a fall because we all wish we were him. Yeah, I think I I respect that he's an artist that doesn't want to toot his own horn in that yeah. aspect. Like he's not making a film to homage like all of yeah. his own work. Yeah, and that's why I really love that he puts The Shining in. 
well, that's, but he was able to do a whole thing of Stanley Kubrick, which who, who he loves, like who him and Kubrick are so close. Like I love that he was able to give a big tribute to another huge pop culture reference that we might not have been able to get, you know, because he put main focus on not himself, which I think was really cool. I don't know. That was the interpretation and the pull from book to film, how they wanted to have it perceived, uh, not so. And what's really cool is that Ernest Klein is also penned as one of the screenwriters of this film with Zach Penn. So it's it's really nice to know that even though it's very different from the book, that the author himself he gave his blessing to the screenplay for sure. I think that this was a good interpretation it's already mm -hmm. over two hours so we don't need to have any you know extra extra and when you yeah. make a book into a movie very rarely can you hit all of the story points i mean in my time of reading and watching movies the only one i would say is like literally almost word for word and shot for shot is fucking fight club like other than that yeah. i feel like every book takes their liberties and the way that they're going to tell the story so you can't really be mad because your imagination Chuck Plotnick has a way though yeah. Chuck Plot I mean that's a whole other story we have we would talk about Chuck Plotnick has a way of just writing dialogue that's already perfect it's like already there yeah. so you don't really have to worry about it but uh since we're talking about great directors wait I'm sorry I'm so sorry is the library closed yeah library is closed get your final choices bring them up you can't have more than five books because that's just ridiculous no one's gonna finish five books in the two weeks that you need. <laughs> you don't know me i read fast i do know that but are you <laughs> even though you read fast are you are you digesting are you invest i need a drink <laughs> she stopped in mid-sentence the librarian the library is closed because the librarian needs to go get a drink go get a drink you drunk bitch <laughs> <laughs> Since we are talking about the fantastic director, Steven Spielberg, um, do you know who could have directed this movie? Oh my God. Why don't you enlighten me? We could have had this directed by Christopher Knoll. Mm. Which, to be honest with you, no. not probably. Not, no not offense, my... but the entire list you're about to give me, you're not going to cut cut it for me. It's Steven Spielberg. No one else could have done what Steven Spielberg did with this one. I don't know. Okay, okay. This one is the only one out of all the names that I could have been like, you know what? Yes. Robert Zemeckis. Mm. <laughs> she gave him a... Mm. I mean, he's a great director. He's a great director. I, I think but... that he's the only one that could do this. Out of the list that I'm going to read you. So, so we could have had Michael Vaughn. He is the one who directs... Uh, Kingsman, the two Kingsmen. Oh, so, I liked the first one, not the second. Kick Ass. I love Kick Ass. Yeah, so maybe he could have. Oh, he did X Men First Class, so maybe he could have done it. He could have. I mean, he he might have been able to pull it off. But obviously, he's no. He's not Steven Spielberg. So we got Peter Jackson. I feel like Peter Jackson would probably made it dark. I feel like it would have been dark. It would have been super long. Maybe we would have had a trilogy. <laughs> he would have did all of the things. 
Well, he would have also liked to have kept it as close to the book as possible, I'm sure. Because I mean, he loves, he like, he's a very, he loves to completely immerse his film into the book literature. Correct. Correct. If you don't know, he is the man responsible for the Lord of the Rings. All, all of them. All of the Lord of the Rings. All and the, the Hobbit. And the Hobbit, that's right. Mm-hmm. And we would have had Edgar Wright. <gasps> I love Edgar Wright. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I'm just, you But you said you love him, but is he a Steven? No, guy? he's not. No, again, I love Edgar Wright. I love Edgar Wright. I stick to what I originally said. No one could do this film like Steven Spielberg did this film. I mean, he is, I feel like he's a great fanboy. Yes, he is. Like Shaun of the Dead and Hot he Fuzz. He would have killed it. Hot Fuzz like, does great homages mm-hmm. to like all of the action movies. And the pop uh, culture references. Driver. He would have gotten that really good. Yeah. Spot uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I mean, it's just he he's a he seems like a good nerd, so he would have been a pretty good dra- job. But again, we say none of these gentlemen are Steven Spielberg, no. so they did not get the job, mm-hmm. and Steven Spielberg did. Nope, no. Which I am ex- extremely excited that he did. I feel like he has been waiting for this time period. For so long. Yeah. He's, I feel like he is just like so excited. Like, oh my God, technology is finally catching up to what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I like this movie so much. It's so exciting is because it's like, oh my God, this is like Avatar, but better. I know. Like, oh you, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing <laughs> what you wanted to have done when we talked about Hook. Yeah. And, you know, he, we're doing the things that he wanted to do when we talked about Jaws. Mm -hmm. Like, he's finally getting to do the things that he's been waiting to do for the past, like, 40 years since this motherfucker started to make movies. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And what's what's super cool is that just speaking on on those specific films that you just mentioned. This he got to work with Industrial Light and Magic, ILM. Like they're the ones that were huge. They worked with a couple of other little production companies um for the digital effects as well, but they're the, they're a main hub. Like they have everything that you're going to need. And Steven Spielberg said how much he loved working with them again. I mean, he worked with them on Hook. He's worked with them on Jurassic Park. Like this he is has. we talked about him in Jurassic Park. Oh, These people are the most magically amazing people ever. Mm-hmm. These people made sixty percent of this movie that we see today. Yeah. They're the ones who did all of that special as Oasis. Mm-hmm. I mean you're talking these are the people that are responsible for my personal favorite, The Dark Crystal. It's my favorite like one of my favorite movies of all time. Labyrinth, Give Poltergeist, up. Star Wars, like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Forrest Gump, Harry Potter, all the Jurassic Parts, Twister, like Marvel, cinem- the cinematic Marvel Universe, involved, man. If you want it done good and you got the money, you, they who you go to. Yeah, you go to ILM. <laughs> and um, what's really neat is that Steven Spielberg talked about how he spent so much time per- personally working with them because he had so much fun integrating the technology. Like you said, he had been waiting this his whole life to be able to adapt a film to this kind of CG and he would spend three hours three times a week working with them because they started developing the technology of actually using a VR helmet 
to create this high quality digital film. They made up these three dimensional CG constructs so that when you put on the headset and you're wearing them, you're constructing the entire scene as you're in the scene. They were able to put in the lighting, all the camera angles, see like the space and how the characters would move within the spaces. And they were walking within those CG spaces. Like that's how cool this whole process is now. And can you imagine, like I, I was reading that Steven Spielberg was putting on the VR, just sitting in the room and just imagining and building and writing down exactly how he wanted everything. And, and these aren't his traditional rigs. Like he's not getting gaffers in here and like people stringing up lights. He's having like a, a you just need to like shade this one part just perfectly. Like, it's just a whole different spectrum of making a film and this is now becoming a routine part of the process for all these different films. It's, it's changing yeah. everything, everything for them. He, I mean, it's just, I saw an interview with Lena Waithe and she was talking about how her and the rest of the cast members did a lot of research and watched a bunch of videos on how all this would work, mm -hmm. you know, how Avatar was made, how they make video games, and how they use all this technology in different ways, and and they tried to prepare themselves, but really, she said, like, comes down to it, you just have to do it. Yeah. Like, you just have to be in it to understand it, because it's just too hard to explain and show somebody mm -hmm. um, who isn't actually doing it. Yeah. So you doing your scene, you're your dailies look way different than like a normal daily would look because it's not you. I mean, I feel like they probably got so many takes because you don't have to worry about wardrobe. No. You don't have to worry about makeup. Nothing. You don't have to worry about sets mm -mm. And, and, and it's a sound stage. None of those. It's just a Lighting. sound stage. Like they were just on a sound stage and you're they're watching them in the VR space with and everybody's yeah. just hooked up. I mean it's totally it's a, the dots and everything. It's a totally different process yeah. for them. So they really have to use their imagination mm -hmm. and really act their ass off um to to make mm -hmm. any of this seem real. And <laughs> it's incredible when they pull out because what I really super love is the ability that they were able cuz one this is a video game. Like that's the point of the Oasis. You're in a video game. It it's so for them to have it look a little video gamey is okay because that is the point of it. You are in a simulation. That's the point. But when they get really yeah. close and they get really like intricate with the faces and the movement, you can see how real it is. Motion, All of a sudden yeah. it becomes very visually real and it's it's ooh, it gives me like it gives me like really big chills to think like how beautiful they were able to cinematically bring in the digital world onto this and my favorite is we were talking about the shining is that they had to use actual they they had to rebuild some of the sets for that which i thought was so cool Okay, I just, I just in my head, no matter what you tell me right now, in my head they rebuilt the entire set, all of the sets, even though they didn't. <laughs> they just no, the most of That's it is in my the head. main hall. Yes, the the elevator seat. Yes, like those were actually reconstructed and rebuilt. I think I believe the bathroom scene as well was reconstructed, reconstructed and rebuilt, like as the scene, and they had um, imposed the actual actors like the twins 
and then the woman coming out of the bathtub. Mm-hmm. That's the same. That is, they digitally pulled that out of the old film and added it to what they have. And then this is so cool because it, they sharpened it so much when they were pulling it out di- digitally, they had to do a high quality telescene onto the original film to make it look all grainy again. So they had to take old film, it became a new image, and then had to re-age it, basically, so it looked like the old film again. That's a cool fact. Like, I was so excited for that part of the movie. Like, it's my favorite. It's a really big scene. Like, the whole shining part is probably one of the most memorable moments of that whole film. So, And again, Steven Spielberg just wanted to pay Um, great dedication to his his good friend which i just think is so cool i i mean steven said that this was after jaws and saving private ryan this movie was the hardest movie for him to do yeah and i can see that because one you're like in a new territory that you haven't even really done before you're more on the practical effects man with a little bit of special effects here and there you know for the big things but you're not like the majority of your movie is like this. I mean, that's not true because he did do, um, AI. He has a couple animated movies, AI. He has AI, but then he has like the one with the big giant and you know, that one just came out. Oh, BFG. I always thought it stood for big fucking giant. Yeah. I don't know what it stands for. I didn't see it, unfortunately. (laughs) I know it's a kid movie. That can't be. I did not watch it all. I've come in and out of it. I think it's pretty good. I don't think that. So, yeah. Steven Spielberg, this man. If you want to know more fun facts about him, I would definitely go listen to our Jaws episode Mm -hmm. because that's where I lay it all out. But we do have some of his movies. Jaws, The Color Purple, um, Hook. We've done quite a few of his movies. I love him, and um, we're going to have him on here again, definitely. What is your favorite Steven Spielberg movie? Ooh, damn. Jurassic Park, for sure. Okay. Well, my top three favorite uh, Steven Spielberg movies would definitely be number one, Color Purple, Hey Girl, Hey. Um, Mm. I love Jurassic Park 1 and 2. They're the same movie, just added on, so I'm going to put them in the same spot. And I love Catch Me If You Can. I love Steven Spielberg Mm -hmm. and I appreciate him because he even though he is more into telling a broader scope of story he's not afraid to go ahead and tell Mm -hmm. unpopular you know racist stories like The Color Purple or Amistad or Schindler's List and so like I totally appreciate that he can like he has two movies in black culture that are so iconic and moving that it's just like amazing that this amazing white man can tell you about aliens and sharks and slavery and genocide with with uh, the Holocaust. And, you know, he can tell you all of these crazy things and still get you the, the point across. Like, I, I just love it. So thank you, Steven Spielberg. Wait, oh, I have one more, one more Steven Spielberg fun fact that I've never heard of, and I thought this would inspire. Fun fact! Steven Spielberg is always nervous when he walks onto set 
Mm-hmm. He's nervous when he has to show his finished product. He is nervous. He said he makes his best films and projects when he is nervous. So even the biggest of the biggest directors that we can even possibly name has, he feels nervous when he walks onto set. And I'm sure everybody around him is nervous because, oh my God, I'm in a Steven Spielberg movie, girl. I am lighting a Steven Spielberg movie, girl. Like, so everybody's probably most likely nervous because you don't want to fuck up. He's the king of the kings. But knowing that he is also nervous, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, he's a humble human being. So he, I feel like he's so in touch with his beautiful, sensitive side. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's that. But I do have something fun for you. You ready? Mm-hmm. For them AKAs. Oh, shit. We're doing AKAs. It's happening. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't realize. So if you grab your Oasis cocktail mm-hmm. and follow me down to Brazil, Brazil, where this movie is known as Player number one but it's like number as in like the n with the, like the little zero and then the one okay <laughs> i don't know what that means i mean it means number i know that yeah like, it's like the chanel number one like the number one that's so fun all right so if you went to belgium this movie would be called play first get ready play first get ready get ready so, can I have one ticket for Play First? Get ready, please. Thank y'all. If you grab your Oasis cocktail and head to Chile, this one will be called Ready Player One. The game begins. Ooh. I like that. The right? game begins. Let the game begin. Now, there was quite a few other ones that were named that as well. Um, either they didn't have the Ready Player One and it was just let the games begin, or it would have both. Okay. That was a popular one around the world. If you went to Estonia, this movie would be called The First Player Prepares. All right. So um, if you went to Lithuania, this one would be called Oasis. The game begins. I kind of like that, actually. Ooh, that one's good. Yeah. If we went to Romania, it'd be Ready Player One, start the game. Ooh, start the game. Start the game. I like it that it it feels like it's their little extra tagline, you know? Yeah, like it's a little. I really like the, it's like that's the fourth country that has this like cool little add-on tagline to Ready Player One. Boom, let the game begin. Maybe they don't play video games as hard as Cal- like uh, Americans do. I mean, we are full force into it, and saying Ready Player One automatically makes you think that you're playing a game, like, for us. But maybe, yeah. you know, Lithuania, they don't play a lot of games, you know? I'm excited to hear Japan. Um, theirs is Ready Player One. <laughs> I believe it, because they're totally a gamer, gamer nation. Yes. <laughs> yes, theirs is definitely Ready, ready Player One. They're the one who taught us Ready Player One. Stop. (laughs) So if we went to Slovenia, 
This movie would be called Ready Street One. Ready Street One. <laughs> Maybe they're talking about like Street Fighter. <gasps> that could be it. There's Street Fighter people that all up in here. That would be cool. Okay. They are kind of street like fighter. Like. They are because you saw people in real life fighting on the street, like <laughs> like just punching a kid. I love shit. the little kids. The little kids as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are so cute. You're like, oh my god, and they're a team too. Yeah, like you see a group of people have... running down fake shooting. Like it's awesome. You're like, yeah, look at everybody get it. The one poor kid who's like walking down the streets, like, what's going on? What I miss? Like, you know, I know. <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> I would only go in the Oasis if I could get one of those body suits so I could feel Oh, hell yeah. I'd be in the Oasis all the time. Um, if we went to Taiwan, this this <laughs> this movie would be called Lever, Level One Player. Can I get one ticket to Level One Player? He's a Level One Player right there. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Level One Player. No, no big, deal. big deal. Level One Player right here. I like that one a lot, actually. Don't be number one player, Hayden. <laughs> no. Um, if we number one player, baby. If we went to uh, Turkey, <laughs> this movie would be called Start. Can I get one to give to Start, please? What time does Start start? Hurry up, girl. You better get here before Start starts. <laughs> and so part two is going to be and- End. <laughs> I love that start to end series. It's amazing. Ooh. Unless there's three, then it's like start, middle, then end. All right. So if we went to Uzbekistan, this movie would be called Let the First Player Be Prepared. <laughs> Best. That's Let the First Player Be Prepared. I love it. Let me get like that Boy one Scouts. Let the First Player Be Prepared, please. Be prepared. <laughs> yes, our teeth and ambitions are bare. Player be. one, be prepared. <laughs> oh, my God. First player, be prepared. Okay, so, yeah. If we went to Vietnam, this movie would be called Virtual Arena, which I actually kind of like. That one's good. That one's good. Virtual Arena. Like, I kind of feel like Hunger Games a little. I was about to say Hunger Games should be called Virtual Arena. Right? Hunger Game. The Virtual Arena. <laughs> the Virtual Arena. Thank you, Vietnam, for that one. I like that one. That's yeah. probably my favorite one. That and let the first player be prepared. I think that Uzbekistan <laughs> got it for me. Let the first one be prepared. Or who did uh, level number? Level, level one player. That was Taiwan. I dig that one, too. Well, uh, that's my AKAs. We are in no way making fun of spreading the joy of this movie's name all over the world. And I think it's great. I always appreciate it. I like to hear how other people are interpreting films from all around the world. It's, it's mm-hmm. beautiful and it's different. We got to talk about the high five. So let's start off with Artemis, played by Olivia Cook. I was so excited because I don't know if you've seen the movie recently, Sound of Metal. Oh, it's so good, girl. you got to watch it. It was nominated for an Oscar. Um, mm-hmm. She shows up in that movie. Well, she hasn't done a lot of movies. She's an English actress. Um, she hasn't done a lot of film. She's very theater-based. She was Maria in uh, West Side Story in, like, in this uh, 
theater back in her hometown. But yeah, Olivia Cook, Artemis, our girl. She uh, was in The Sound of Silence. She plays uh, the girlfriend. And I was like, wow, oh my God, there she is. I was so surprised. I was honestly just really shocked. I loved her. Uh, apparently, she there was like a thousand auditions to play Artemis. Ella Fanning was almost going to be Artemis. But then Steven Spielberg mm. saw Olivia Cook And he's like, no, it's her. It's got to be her. So, And I think she's perfect. Honestly. I also love the little key... Uh, I love the key little moment in the film when he's just like, I know you. She's like, you don't know me. She's like, this isn't my body. This isn't my face. This isn't what I look this like. Is my voice? Yeah, no, she know. never says, she never says this isn't my voice. I kind of feel like that's what she says. Mm-mm. But her voice is the same. The voice is exactly the same. It's the, it's actually, her voice is the same. Z's voice is the same. Show and Daito, the only one who manipulates their voice is H. H manipulates their voice. Well, yeah, because, you know, she's a girl. She's trying to be a little more ambiguous. Yeah. But um, that's what I really dig about that little thing in in the movie is that she never specifies this isn't my voice. That's her voice. But it isn't technically because she's English. That's not Show. That's not true because Show, his voice is different. It's a little deeper. You're right. It's a little deeper. It's a little deeper. I, I, my favorite line of his is where he's just like, I haven't seen this guy, The Shining. Is it scary? I've never seen The Shining. Is it really scary? Uh, I have to watch it through my fingers. Um, yeah. I had to watch it through my fingers. Like, that just makes me so... Yeah, you're like, you are 11, you cute-ass little kid. That's the only. That's one of the only things I have for uh, Philip Zhao, who plays show in The High Five. The, those are the little things when people are just like, I didn't even realize he was going to be a little kid. I'm like, well, he crashes his car because he doesn't know how to drive. And he only can watch a scary movie through his fingers. Like, that is such a kid revelation right there. Like, those are the two. And this was his first film and only film at the moment. So far. So far. Did. How bomb are you that you get to, like, be the little kid in a Steven Spielberg movie? I know. He always wants to add him. He's like, I need to find a little kid to put in this movie. And, and you were that kid. <laughs> and then uh, there's Wynn uh, Morisaki, who plays Daito. This, that was crazy. I didn't realize that he was in a J-pop band. He looks like he would be one. He's so cute, he totally though. Does. He is so cute. He is so cute. Like, oh, oh, look at he you. He's so adorable. <laughs> yeah, his the band's name is Prism Max. I dug it. I listened to some of their music. Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, it's not, you know, K-pop, but it's pretty good. Okay. I mean, yes, he looks cute. I do love him in his, like... I love their little, I don't know, like subtle homage to Inception where they're like sitting there in the suits and he's like holding the guns like, oh, I look know. at you. And you're accepting, you're like in his head. Like, oh shit, you guys are so meta. <laughs> well, that's the, <laughs> exactly. And you realize that that is such an attribute to that movie too because there's Wade Watts, not mm-hmm. in a suit. He's in his regular street clothes, but there's Daito being like, fuck this. Like, it's my face. But I'm in a suit. And you're just like, oh, shit. Like, that's the moment you realize this either isn't real. He's, I mean, you guys doing that or he's like Pulp Fiction. I don't know. But either way, I feel like it's Inception. I got Inception. I got Inception for sure. So, so cute. Although the guns are very prevalent to Pulp Fiction. Like the big silver yeah. magnums that they are holding. Uh, 
Oh my god, that scene is so that is, good. He's like, you guys. Scene. He's get, he's figuring it out. Like he's so freaking out. He's guy. Oh my. Hurry up. I mean, who the who? What kind of idiot leaves their password just laying there like that? And you invite a, a beautiful, smart virtual hacker into your your office space, and your password is just sitting there. Nolan Sorrento is a fucking idiot. He's an idiot. He's the smartest idiot. My he's not smart. Is, I don't even take it. He has gone into the Oasis how many times? A kajillion? And you don't know your own motherfucking password? What is that? Actually, actually, they say that he doesn't, I mean, because he doesn't like the, he doesn't like the Oasis. He would prefer never to go back into the Oasis again. He even says that to Navale. Remember, he's like, we don't go, we don't care about the Oasis. I don't. He doesn't care about it. He actually doesn't even create his own persona. He goes in there with his own name, Sorrento. That's his username. Like, IROC is an IROC. That's not his real name. All the other characters don't have their real names. But Sorrento goes in there with his own name. That is how lame he is. He does not care about making an alternate reality. He's even a human. He's a human with no real cool powers, except he, like, rages out like the Hulk. Okay, okay. But I do want to say... That I usually use my real name because Zenobia is such a fucking cool name. Like, I, I'm not creative, I guess, enough to come up with something else. I use my real name because usually it hasn't already been taken. <laughs> I mean, that's a good idea. I mean, but you use your own name in, like, character-based, like, free play? Like, if you played World of Warcraft, you would pick Zenobia? Probably. I guess I'm lame. You just maybe you just called me out for being lame. I think my name is pretty cool. So, I mean, if, no, if, I, mean, if I was trying really to come cool, up with a whole different, like, if I was like, I'm going to be this dude, dude, thingy, whatever, then I, yeah, I'd probably be Will Smith or, like, you know, something stupid or, you know, but. But you're still picking a person based on real yes, reality. Man, like, you're not. <laughs> I told you I'm not a nerd, okay? I don't do these, like, first person games and shit. Like, the only one I ever like played was games. yours, which was fucking, what's the zombie one? Uh, Left for Dead. Left for Dead. It's like the only thing that and and like Grand that Theft Auto. You like played Mario thing. Kart with us. Mario Kart, yes, but that's because it's like older than dirt, man. That's been around. And those are pre-assembled <laughs> characters. You don't really get to pick your own. Left yeah. for Dead was so cool. Those are pre-assembled characters though, too. What I'm saying I mean, is, you get to create your own profile. I am not a computer nerd or a video geek or any of those. Dungeon and Dragon. I'm so glad that they didn't add a whole part of the movie about Dungeon and Dragon. It's bad enough I gotta watch it in Stranger Things. Now I gotta watch it in this. Like, <laughs> I know I'm just. It's, a lot of people are upset at me right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're you're totally fine. I have a I have a couple of really cool Dungeons and Dragons scenes. Um, <laughs> okay, one. If I was playing Dungeon and Dragon, I wouldn't just be like, "All right, I'm Zenobia." <laughs> you crazy? You don't tell anyone who you are. You can't use your real name. You're not just anyone. You don't know me. <laughs> Fucking nerd. Okay, so, I mean, yes. I love Daito. I think yes. he was super awesome. I love where, <laughs> where H is like, Daito, are you going to get in this fight? And she's like, ah, like fake fighting over here. Um, and I'm just going to throw in a fun fact, pop ground. culture reference, because this is actually one that I wrote down. It's one of my favorites. If you didn't know, when Daito finally does come into the fight and he's about to like do the gauntlet and he's going to come in, 
he flies in on the Serenity, which is a call out to the show Firefly. It's an old uh, one series right off from Joss Whedon. It was one of my favorite shows of all time. Only one season and then they be, they made a film out of it and then they turned it into a graphic novel. I love it. And when he comes in Serenity and he's like pulling down, you're like, oh my God. It's, the, it's one of my favorite moments for pop culture references. I was like, that's really fucking cool. He just like shows up. My favorite might be the fucking Chucky. It's the throwing Chucky. Chucky is like hilarious. He just <laughs> fink, fink, just fucking killed some bastards. Yeah. See yeah. that? I'm like, oh yeah, bitch. And it's cool because it's a it's a explosive um, bomb that you can just throw into the war field, and he's just gonna go off on his own. Like that man, he's just gonna be a killer. It's amazing. I love that. That's probably my favorite pop culture other than the delorean which is yeah. super dope that i'm not a trekkie but that funeral is a trekkie's dream yeah dream, man. it's pretty beautiful and it just i love that specifically especially because there's this whole like star Trek to star wars even though i'm born of both like my father loved both you can love both it's kind of bullshit when people are like you can't love one not the other like no that's not it like you can you can't yes, love them can. both, girl. You gotta pick no. where you go. You gotta pick where you go. No, you can. No. <laughs> There's the. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a I'm a Star Wars person. I am not a Star Trek person. Wow. That's just because my dad made me watch the show. Telling all the Patrick time and I didn't Stewart, watch it. aka Captain Picard. <gasps> okay, moving on. Uh, obviously, Lena Waithe. Babe alert. We've talked about Lena Waithe before in Queen and Slim. And her amazing accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You mentioned recently her her newest project that's out is Bad Hair. That came out last year. Girl. I have to watch it. I know. Bad Hair is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It is like... It's like a horror movie, but it's not. It's like funny kind of... It's okay. good. It's good. Okay. I loved it. Lena was fucking hilarious in it. As you always. Know, she, yeah. She, especially like her last couple scenes, she's just fucking hilarious you're just like oh my god thank you for being in this um but yeah you need to watch your girlfriend in that it's very good it is you know she makes my heart melt whenever she's closing those doors and then she's just like you know i tape everything in my workshop and then she gives that little smile i just i'm done i'm done the movie pretty much ends there for me i'm just done I can see why she's your crush. Oh. She is a bad bitch. And on Lena Waithe, I love you. Honestly, you are one of my favorite human beings. I think you are beautiful, a writer, a storyteller. But anyways, moving on. Ty Sheridan. Our sweet little baby Spielberg. He looks like a baby Spielberg to me. I know I keep on saying that. He looks like a baby Spielberg. I mean, he looks like Mr. Pouty. Little pouty lips i love him right he's cutie um i think he did a good job he's adorable he i think of him as cyclops I from x-men constantly yes but i actually get to see like full face so like hey girl <laughs> well what's funny is that they both in this movie and in that movie he's majority wearing visors on his face that's true so <laughs> he's kind of the same it's kind of the same <laughs> i just felt like he should just be like pew 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 with his eyes pew 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 <laughs> <laughs> be a lot easier to get through uh what was it let the first player be prepared 
I think he would have definitely succeeded more and let the first player be prepared if he had a little laser shooting out of his uh, VR helmet. I mean, for sure. I agree because player ready, <laughs> ready player one, Jogger one is a. <laughs> That one makes zero sense to me, but I had to put it down because it was funny. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> I feel like it's that virtual arena that we just don't <laughs> even, know, don't about. even know about. <laughs> so, player one, <laughs> let the games begin. Let the games begin. He's coming out with a new movie, Voyagers, uh, starring Lily Depp this year, Ooh. which I'm actually really excited. It looks like a really good okay. film. Um, and he was also a part of that, uh, Tree of Life. We've talked about it. I mean, he was in that Nikki C. I have not seen the Nikki C film that he has been in. I, I called her out. Did you no, watch it? Bitch. Nikki C. Uh, yo man. He ain't my man. I know. I love Nikki C. I love him. I know. I need to watch it. I support him immensely. We... Can I give you a little fun fact? Give it to me. So, Tayshir... Ty Sheridan's character, Percival, actually has one of my favorite costume idea, like costume styles in the film. That's totally a pop culture reference. He has this belt on, and if you haven't noticed, the little belt holster that he is wearing is a Han Solo belt holster, and it's super sexy and it's super cute, and it makes me totally crush on Percival. He is adorable, and I love. I'm pretty it. sure his belt buckle is a Thundercats belt buckle as well. Well, the yes, the 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 emblem buckle of itself, yes, is Thundercats. But he has like this belt holster yeah, thing. Yeah, the one that goes on the leg. Uh huh. And that is Han Solo. Well, if we're gonna talk about costumes, let's talk about that purple rain look or that thriller look. <gasps> the thriller look is. I always think every single time he gets in that thriller jacket, I'm like. Z. <laughs> Definitely. Which I don't know if you all have noticed yet, but the two lead characters that are best friends in the high five are Z and H, which I'm not trying to like be crazy, but is, there's Z and then there's H, which is They me. got our colors I mean, backwards, but they got us right. You are a queer right. woman and I am a white man, so. <laughs> Ah, that was funny. Okay, but yes, I love good. it. He's a blue in the in the in the in the what is it? The virtual arena. He's a blue man. He is a blue man crew. Fucking, he looks like a. And I am half orc, so that makes he sense. He looks like a, a, a cooler <laughs> uh, avatar, so I do I do like. He does. Um, but he does a good job. Thank you for your service in this amazing movies. But I do want to talk about the real star of the show. Oh my God, I knew, I knew it. I knew you were going to come out. What is it? Tell. Okay, I'm ready. Who is it? So, okay, so the real star of the movie is Levingston Studios in Hertfordshire. In the Ooh, UK. Okay. Now this place is the home Hogwarts to Hogwarts Day. and all the Harry Potter fun um, stuff. But this building is where they did the majority of their magic for this movie. So <clears throat> inside this huge uh, studio, they have 
tons of cameras on the ceilings. They have camera crews on the side. And this is how they would film all of the Oasis scenes. Uh, so this right here is like the biggest star of this movie because without this soundstage, we definitely would not have mm -hmm. the Oasis that we have. Um, and when they have the stacks that are out, Ooh, yeah. the stacks where, where uh, Wade live. lives, they are <laughs> where we probably would live because we would not be the, I would definitely live there because I suck at video games and I, although I feel like we could have left, so. definitely lived in that commune too. Anyways, keep on going. Yeah, we probably would have been in the commune, but um, the stacks um, the outdoor sets of those were built outside the Livingston um, like all the, back lot. So those that cars, actually, like the car stacks and everything, what? and all that are surrounding it. All of the stacks that are all around it, they, the, I feel like yeah. the stacks that they used, I mean, obviously a lot of it was um, computer generated mm -hmm. to make it look deeper in depth the than first it really sequence. was. But like the actual sequence, um, was really built outside of the back lot of this. <laughs> like when Pizza Hut's getting delivered. I, I love that. I want to go to. I love that too. It's like a nice nod to Back to the Future 2 where they get the pizza mm -hmm. and it's like a little, the oven. You put it in there like fucking fifth element and it turns out into a huge oh, ass, like good. fresh ass pizza. Yeah. Chicken good. <laughs> I love that. Um, that. <laughs> The IOI um, interiors was also, they were, <gasps> the interiors oh, was also cool. filmed there as well. But the outdoors, well, not all of the interiors. Some of it was filmed there. Some of it was filmed at this place called the Holland Park School in Arley Gardens, West London. And this is a, the glass building that we see that is the headquarters of IOI. And this is the inside of there. They actually filmed some of the insides of there in there, like the geek squads, like glass little oh, okay. office that they're all in is filmed inside this school. This school is pretty, pretty cool. Um, definitely wish to visit there but you also might recognize it as the avengers uh belgium <gasps> uh facilities in spider-man stop Far it i Home. thought no i'm serious this is serious i thought that looked the same i swear to you when i was re-watching it recently because recently yesterday when i was watching it i thought about it i was like wait a minute because whoa and i thought it was the same Yep, so it is the same facilities as Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, and so most of the outdoors or like real filming was done in um, Birmingham, UK, or yeah. in London. So this whole movie was all filmed across the pond from us in London area. So... It is not Columbus. Mm -hmm. I think that's where he's supposed to be, right? 
it is not anywhere near close to that. And now that you know that, once you see them racing through the streets and stuff, you're going to be like, you're right. That does not look like anything. <laughs> this does not look like it's from here. Um, and it, it isn't. So this is the real star. The real star of the film. The I just want to talk about Simon Pegg really quick. As Ogden Morrow, he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Again, I am obsessed. We talked a little bit already with uh, speaking about Edward Wright um, and Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Those are all movies by Edgar Wright, who almost directed this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also starred, Simon Pegg starred in all of those films. He has worked closely with Edgar Wright his whole life. He writes scripts with Edgar Wright his whole life. Um, I can put on Hot Fuzz and just fall asleep. I think Simon Pegg is one of my favorite actors. He's an English actor. He's a comedian. He's a writer. He's a phenomenal human being. I can't believe he's 51 years old. He doesn't look 51 at all, which is surprising because he's the whitest man you've ever seen. But he doesn't look yeah. old, which is really, really crazy to yeah. me. Um, <laughs> I appreciate his work. I love his work. I love that they're the little Easter egg of knowing if that he's the curator. That's his voice. That is his actual voice. He toned it down. They didn't do any kind of auto-tune on it. That's all him. He just was able to morph his voice in a little way to make it not completely obvious as well as as the character of Ogden Morrow, he has an English accent, um, American, sorry, an American accent. Yeah, I was about to say he added. He mm-hmm. uh, added. So an he kind of you know pushes you not to believe that that's his actual voice as the curator, but then you realize. I mean, if if you know Simon Pegg and you, as soon as I heard the curator, I was like, that's Agnemaro, aka Simon Pegg. I knew it as soon as in the movie when I was in theaters. It, exactly it, they had the same exact the eyes. Same eyes they they like to give those little things away i think in the film they like as many easter eggs because we're chasing an easter egg they love to give the easter eggs which i really appreciate about this um i really want to do hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead on the show which then we'll have to round it out with the world's end so we'll definitely talk about him more um i just really love simon Pegg, and i think he's amazing i do want to yeah I gotta give you some more funny facts. So, Warner Brother won the auction for the rights for this book before the Mm. book was even published. They wanted it bad. I think that just knowing that we would have iconic pop, you know, icons in Mm -hmm. this uh, movie, just automatically going to... I know watching the trailer and seeing the Iron Giant made me want to come to this, see this movie. I was like, oh my God, is that the Iron Giant? <laughs> oh girl, we got to go. Like, we got to come to this. This looks good. So, I mean, th- th- they were so right on trying to get it before somebody else did. Well, they were in a huge bidding mm-hmm. war with Random House to even see who would actually release mm-hmm. it first, the book of the film. That was a really interesting uh, article to read about the the huge fight that they had between publishing the book right. first or the film. Right. I got a uh, fun fact for you. Ooh, so give it. The game Pong, which is the first licensed big big time video game ever okay 
Mm-hmm. They had a pong. They would play and had a pong on set at Jaws. When he Steven Spielberg made the very first Jaws, he said that this began his love for video games and virtual reality and shit like that. That was the beginning of it. Um, knowing that the very first movie that he ever made that was just like insane that put him on the map had something to kind of do with this latest movie that we have of his, which I think is great. I love, I love it. I love the fun fact that, and we've already talked about Robert Zemeckis a little bit already in the show itself, that one of my favorite little fun facts is the Zemeckis cube that was obviously named after him. I love it. Uh, the composer of the film, because this is one of the only time, well, one of four times that Steve, three times Steven Spielberg hasn't used John Williams in his film uh, as a composer. He cho- John Williams couldn't do it, unfortunately, so he had Alan uh, Silvestri do the soundtrack and compose it. He made up a beautiful little soundbite for Back to the Future, which he also was a huge, he was the composer for Back yep. to the Future as well. And so you hear that little soundbite that happens when <laughs> Percival... <laughs> creates the the motions to make the uh Zemeckis crew cube activate you hear the little tone and it was a it's not even the original tone alan actually did a whole new little it's the same keys obviously but he made a little special little sound cue for it which i thought was really cute and a a sweet little tribute to him i mean they did a lot of things the Batmobile oh, when no, no, no. it like skirts, it goes na 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 Yeah, I'm just naming my personal favorites. Like yeah. I just want to give shout outs to my little personal favorites that really, those are the ones that like pop out to me. Like specifically, like I am obsessed. I don't know if anyone else noticed this in the movie, but uh, another little fun fact in the Halliday's journals, this huge scene, when you walk in there, that is the Breakfast Club library. It is. As soon as you walk in, that's the Breakfast Club library. You walk in, and there it is. I love that. That is my favorite. The tables and the glass and everything. Everything. It's one of my favorite little pop culture references in it. Like, those are those just little things that I'm just like, oh, I fucking love you. You made it worth it. This movie was definitely made for us. (laughs) Yes. And then uh, my last, well, second to last, but I think we already talked about the Orb of Aussie Vox being in Gizmo's box. We kind of mentioned it a little bit. You did you did a shout out to uh, Gizmo. Well, you did a shout out to Gremlins mm-hmm. uh, nonchalantly when you were talking about how Steven Spielberg produced um, a number of films that were referenced in this. But that one of is one of my favorite little references as well, which a lot of people did not notice, is that the Orb of Oxyvox, yeah, is in the actual Gizmo box that he comes in in Gremlins because it's one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies of all time. But my favorite quote, plus my one of my favorite fun facts, uh, is when... Uh, H goes, she could be a 300-pound pound dude who lives in his his mama's basement in suburban Detroit, and her name is Chuck. And her name is Chuck. That's my favorite part. <laughs> that is actually still, that is one of the only direct quotes that comes from the book to the movie. I love it. I love, love it. it. 
Well, um, since you were talking about uh, the Gremlins, not only is the box from Gremlins Gizmo's little carrying case, but Mm -hmm. they actually snuck some Gremlins into this movie and surprised the shit out of Steven Spielberg. He didn't even ask for it or know that it was going to happen, and they kind of snuck it in there, and he's like, hey, you guys put my Gremlins in here? Like, what the fuck? Like, it's, it's great. I mean... I love it. Like I said, he has uh, inspired so many generations of artists that it's like kind of hard to cut him fully out of this movie. Um, but I love the Easter eggs of Jason and the fucking there's a is that her, I almost called her something. What's 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 Tomb Raider? Laura, Laura Croft. Laura Croft is in there. There's a Sonic in there. Uh, Gandalf is in here. There's, oh God, there's so many Easter there's eggs. There's so many. I can't even think of all of them. Do you have any of your favorite? You just named your favorite already? Well, yeah, I had to talk about my favorite Easter eggs that popped up in this movie mm-hmm. already. I love, like I said, the Iron Giant. I mean, it is a feature. I Yeah, I already thing, talked I about how much I love him. the Iron Giant. Just like jumping in. Yeah. I love when they do the Superman glasses. I love when she uh, has the, she's the fake thing and then she has the alien alien come out of her chest. It's oh, yeah. It's like, what the fuck, bitch? From a Total Recall. So, I that mean, shit like, was crazy and alien. alien. And then. There's a, there's a, uh. Uh, Beetlejuice in the library, like everybody. There's everything. Yeah, he gets the first photo. Yeah, there's so many. Obviously, I am not huge into video games, so there's so many of those that are referenced and shown in this movie that I can't do justice to. But uh, yeah, Daggeroth is in there. Zork's in there. Uh, Zelda's in there. There's, yeah, there's a, a bunch. bunch. So, I Mario. Thanks for playing my game. That's one of the most legendary is Halliday at the end says, thanks for playing my game. That is directly a quote from Mario. At the end of Super Mario, he goes, thank you for, thank playing, you my for playing my like game. Like that. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, there's these, there's the most obvious ones. And then there's those little ones that you just don't catch that are just so good. And again, you just keep on picking up more and more. That's why this movie, you you can't just watch it the first time. You can't just walk, watch it a second time. You'll keep on watching it, and you'll keep on catching it, even yeah. throughout your life. It's just, it's just so gonna happen. So definitely go back and watch this one several times. You will find something that several you did times. not know was there. Um, moving mm-hmm. on, what would your avatar look like if you could be in... If I was in the Oasis, I would probably be a dark... I'd be a dark elf of dark elf orc descent because I love the strength of an orc. I also like the bruteness of an orc, Um, but also the magical imbued forces of a dark elf. Um, I probably would be a rogue slash healer of some kind. Uh, Would definitely want magical powers. So mine would look like Beyonce in a Catwoman suit or Beyonce in a storm. Cute. Cute. (laughs) And I would like to be storm because she has powers. I can control the weather and I can fly. 
<laughs> That's cute. <laughs> but again, like I said, I am not a video game person, so I don't know what the fuck I would look like. It definitely would be have an essence of Beyonce. No, you just said it. <laughs> Let's talk about our bad guy before we get out of here. Ben Mendelsohn. I love him in Captain Marvel. Yes. He, he, okay, one, I found out some stuff I did not know about this fool and would have never even have guessed. So he was born mm-hmm. in Australia, but he lived abroad with his mm-hmm. parents and he ended up learning to speak German, had a German accent and uh, lived abroad until the age of six when he came back to Australia and his parents divorced and he lived with his mom until he was 13 and then he moved with his dad to Washington, D.C. Um, until he until he got kicked out of boarding school in Pennsylvania for apparently burning things. So he was a, he's a fire starter. Um, and so after that, he had to move back to Australia and he lived with his grandmother until he started acting, fell in love with it and could do it enough to support himself. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. where he found his love. He said he took a theater class because he thought it'd be an easy A and it changed his life. And apparently he is a author he goes by a different pseudonym. I don't know what it, it is, but apparently he's got a couple books out there too under another name. He he does have a pen name. Yeah. So I thought he sounds very interesting. I would have never guessed he was from like he's, Australia, Germany, America, like a nice melting pot of everything. I super love him in Rogue One and, and in... Uh, I mean, again, Marvel, Captain Marvel. I love him in Captain Marvel with the flurkin. It's and Samuel Jackson. Him and say, let's do it like we did in Havana. Oh, was that him? <laughs> He's that's him. Oh, okay. I didn't know who he play it like we did in Havana. Like you can hear his Australian accent, especially in that one. In that they movie. let it. They let it go. But you're right. Yeah, in that movie, he just did his own. Yeah, and and what's cool is that you are correct. Like he has so much different dialect. That it is. It's 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 a very he's a very international human being, which is beautiful because we all at this point we're all children mm-hmm. of earth. We're not I really wish that we could lift borders and we all just would be children of earth and this whole immigration bullshit yeah. was over. Anyways, I think he's phenomenal. because he can play a good guy as well as a bad guy so easily. He has such a range. You can love him and you can hate him all at once. This is true. I mean he has a very good he he's not like oh he's a good guy oh he's a bad guy like no he's just he can be anything um he's a really good actor and he's a pyro i didn't know he was a pyro I, love I, that I, I read that i was like whoa i did not see that um love that for him but we have seen him in a bunch of things he is in the dark knight rises he's in killing them yep. softly uh, a play, the place beyond the pines. He showed. I didn't see that. He was in an episode of Girls. 
Exodus, the yes. Gods and Kings. So like he's That's constantly right. like showing up. Um, and like you said, Rogue One. So I mean, like you made it into the Star Wars like universe, bitch. And you've done a movie with Steven Spielberg, and you got a Marvel movie. Like, damn, Gina. I know. And doesn't that wasn't that a huge thing? Especially when Monica Rambo, baby Monica Rambo, goes, "Don't ever change your eyes." And then in Wandavision, she didn't. She didn't. Remember, mm-hmm. they you see the character doesn't change their eyes, and that's when you know you're like, oh shit, shit. Yeah. like. I was hoping that they had a bigger stance, but I mean, that was a really big Easter egg at the end of WandaVision when they were like, oh, he's waiting for you up in space. You're like, oh, so Nick Fury's in space. Okay, great. I'm glad that Nick Fury came back from the dust unknown and is now back in space. I mean, (laughs) I just think it's awesome that he got his eye cut by like a fucking cat, space cat, and that's how he went blind. I think that's hilarious. I know. I will neither I will neither deny nor collaborate this story. <laughs> so yes, he was in Robin Hood, Captain Marvel. He also was in Spider Man Far From Home. Yes. Um he got to be in a movie with my boo boo Spies in Disguise, Will Smith doing a voiceover. Ben, we love you. He I love you. And we are going to do Captain Marvel because I it's actually one of my favorite. Besides Thor Ragnarok, Captain Marvel is one of my favorites. I'll give you that. And we have only done one Marvel movie. So, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Fun fact. The spell that is cast on the orb is from Excalibur. It's the same uh, poem or chant or spell that they use in Excalibur. And then the rock. Yeah. Um, one, I never seen Excalibur. Don't really like Mighty Python, so I just wanted to throw that in there because I thought it was cool. I know you're white, so white people love that shit. I will <laughs> ask: Have you ever watched Monty Python's like just sketch comedy in general, not just their like Life of Brian slash Monty Python Holy Grail? Uh, I've seen because their sketch comedy is really. Funny. I haven't. I should watch it again as an adult. The sketch comedy, but I remember watching some of it and thinking it was stupid. Mighty Python was something that like white kids in high school used to make me watch, and I'd be like, "You guys, you know what's funny? Friday, motherfucker, Harlem Nights is fucking well, funny." Like that yeah. was me. I'm like, "You guys were just yeah, whatever." So, but I th- I get that. I thought that was very cool that they you know use that. <laughs> All right, so one last thing before we move on. Um, conspiracy theories. I think that the Oasis is, um, it is real in some sense. There, I was reading that some people think the Oasis is another dimension and that you have a person in that dimension that you could tap into and live through. Um, not necessarily a video game, which I still think is pretty cool. I would like this whole other dimension. I did read that theory look. about how the the Oasis is the start to the Matrix. I did read that. And the uh huh, which would make sense because the Matrix didn't start until like two thousand. So mm-hmm. the Matrix should be the beginning, and this is like two thousand and forty three or whatever. Well, no, the Matrix doesn't happen until twenty two two thousand two hundred and twenty something. So it's way beyond. That's when it yeah, is? Yeah, oh, it's okay. way beyond the oasis. That's why everyone thinks that living in a virtual reality world, but then we're all brainwashed into being just like the battery that keeps the computer going, basically. 
because this is the original, this is the start of the energy crisis and climate change. That's what's happening. That's how Wade Watts' parents die is in the protests of climate change. The, also, another uh, theory would be that IOI, they enslave people, obviously, and work them until they can't. And then when they die, like Artemis's dad yeah. does when he's sick, they sell their bodies for organs and stuff, and that's how they get <gasps> their money. So that, so that, because, you know, like, they're sending in all these people, but every time they die, they're losing their money. Yeah. How are you guys still giving money to these people to go in there and do all the time if they don't have anything? Yeah. Like, so. As long as they can harvest clean, healthy organs, that makes sense. That's scary. And it keeps probably a lot of rich people alive. It's like the like island, right? The island. I love that fucking story. I mm-hmm. love that story. That's like no. Altered Carbon. Have you watched Altered Carbon yet? Mm-mm. <gasps> Watch that show! It's- so yeah, those are a little bit of my uh, conspiracy theories on I like the movie. I like so, it. So, you got anything else? Because no. your girl is Dean. I'm done. Whew. Thank you guys for sticking with us. This one was a tough one. Um, are you ready? It's time for Z for the people. Uh, yes, yes sir. So, the Z for the people this week is from USC Shosha Foundation, um, and they are developed to they are devoted to developing emotional understanding and respect through the testimony of survivors so this um foundation what they do is it started off with them doing um taped confessions of holocaust survivors about their lives and everything that you know led up to the holocaust during the holocaust and after and how you know genocide and all this shit is needs to go in our world in our societies and and now we're at the point where they're not just doing holocaust survivors but they're doing more modern day genocides like awanda and uh iraq where you know these people have to like be moved in out of their homes you know their families are dying you know, they have to deal with so much violence and so much hate for something that they really can't control. So this foundation has over 55,000 videos. And these videos run for about two hours each of somebody, a survivor's story. And they have them in 65 countries and in 43 languages. Oh, my God. So... This was started in 1994 by the great Steven Spielberg. After he did Schindler's List, he felt like he needed to have these stories told. He was like, the stories I'm telling about, like, you know, aliens and sharks, they're cool, you know, dinosaurs, those are cool stories. But the real stories that need to be told are these real stories of survivors. 
So, like I said, it started off with, you know, a Holocaust survivors and now has grown into being, you know, survivors of all different kinds all over the world. And this is mainly uh, located in USC, but they do partner with tons of other um, colleges and universities all over the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steven Spielberg talks about how he sees these children, these kids from like junior high to like college watching these videos and that they leave different because, you know, he wants us to not look at color and to not be so hateful towards someone who's different than yourself and that we all have the same goal and it's just to be a great human. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I literally cried watching a video on this website of, you know, survivors speaking, Steven Spielberg speaking, um, other teachers speaking about like how impactful this whole thing that he started in 1994 is. So if you are interested in learning more, because I do believe, especially if you're a teacher, this would be something really good for your kids to get into so that they could see that, you know, yes, I live in California and the world is this certain way, but someone who lives in Africa, someone who lives in Iraq, someone who lives in India, their lives are not treated the same and that they had to go through something that no one should have to go through and to better educate our future leaders into not being orange dickheads in the Oval Office. So that is my Z for the people. So if you feel like you want to donate your time, donate your money, go to sfi.usc.edu and you'll get some more information. So donate your time, donate your money. And uh, thank you, Steven Spielberg, for this. This is a very... I, I've never heard of this. I thought it was very cool. And yeah. um, I would like to find out how I can be a part of this because this sounds great. Wow. That's my Z for the people. Uh, yes. Uh, all right. So we're done. Thank you. We made it. Oh, girl. Thank you, Miss Lynette, for drinking with me and talking with me. So, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Obviously, you've already checked in with us, but if there's other platforms that you want to listen to us on, we have our beautiful Podbean, our mothership. We love you. We dedicate our love to you. We're also on (laughs) FM Player, Spotify, Pandora. Check us out. We are all over the place, hitting all the marks. We are on Floston Paradise. Floston Podcast. (laughs) Oh, Paradise Podcast. (laughs) Paradise Podcast. Go ahead and check us out. We also, please send us any emails of recommendations for films, uh, Close Encounters, any, we've gotten some really great emails uh, about new products, new people to talk to. I'm so excited to be, we've already responded to a couple of these emails. Thank you so much for responding to us. Please hit us up. We're at Lights, Camera, Cocktail, no S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. It's been so much fun to check in with that. Also, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sorry I haven't been on Instagram in a minute. I got a new phone, y'all. So it's been really exciting. But new we phone is be- this. I know. I'm so excited. And I just downloaded all of our new apps and everything and a brand new video. So just like a new camera. So check out because we're going to be posting some way cool new stuff. 
And Zenobia's got some really great videos of cocktails, so do I. Happy birthday, Zenobia! Shut up, thank you. Girl, you look so good for 30. I, like, love it over on there on you. What are you talking about? I'm 29, bitch. <laughs> oh, shit. My <laughs> so next week, we will be doing another Crush Month episode. We're going to be watching A Star is Born, the latest one. Well, we will see you next week. For another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Thank you for playing my game. <laughs> boom, 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 boom.